We are back. It is the end of our summer hiatus. Hockey has begun. Training camp has opened up for the Philadelphia Flyers. And what should we expect? Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 86 of Orange and Back Check. So glad you are with us. We are back in action. And the guy across from me, as always, with his funky little cat, Scott Weinhardt. What's going on, brother? Funky little cat, man. Yeah, you ain't kidding. He's he's now, I think he's what? He was 12 weeks when we got him about two months ago. So he's what? About 20 weeks now. Almost six months. Woo. So. He's a little fat thing, but he it's hilarious. He plays around with the other cat, pisses the other cat off all the time. Just you'll be, you'll hear quiet all of a sudden here. <laughs> like in the other room, it's like, oh, well, someone's not happy. So, yeah, it's like you know. siblings. Yeah, basically. And I yeah. deal with that, too, with my two kids. So, yeah, yeah. that's actually fun. But you've yeah. actually had the storyline of the summer, basically. Oh, man. Let me tell you, when 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 you when you join in, when you're in a pandemic or in the outskirts of a pandemic and you're being told like, oh, yeah, everything's messed up. Dishwashers, refrigerators, cars because of this microchip shortage that really controls everything. Yeah. You don't realize what it means until you have to go and buy a car. We had a, we had an emergency. My wife had this issue with her car. So we were like, let's just get rid of it. Buy a new one. We went to at least eight different dealerships between brands, makes, models, all of it. Like it was just a nightmare. Thankfully, at the time of this recording, we, we settled on what we got. We love it. We got a Volkswagen uh, Tiguan 2022, brand new, my wife's new car, the family car. And it's, it's, it's just a, it's one of the, it's, it's like the moments you graduate college high school you get uh your first job and you pay off your first loan and you're like that's the 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 relief that you have Mm -hmm. that's what i'm experiencing today like that is what it's been this last week or so because it's i wish this pain on no one because it's it's a lot of fighting it's a lot of crying like i cried she cried i think the dog cried at one point like it was just it was just impossible until we until today really like it kind of just all fell into place today thankfully so yeah it's good to see not as good as just seeing these guys on the ice again like i, I think that was that, like the fact that we it, i say it all the time it's nice that we're seeing everything return to normal but i mean it we're two and a half weeks three weeks away from the first uh game of the season for the flyers training camp is open the regular seat or excuse me the preseason starting uh or late next week or late this week, early next week. I'm just excited for this game, even though it's meaningless split squad games that they do time and time again during the preseason. It's just, it's good that we're, we're getting back into that. That's why we finally returned tonight after a couple of weeks off. So I'm excited, man. This is going to be a fun season. We're going to talk about what we're expecting out of this season in, in just a moment here. But I mean, the bi- the biggest thing that happened was Joel Farabee, right? I, I six years, five, yeah. AAV, five million AAV. Like, my immediate thought was, wow, that's a lot for a guy that had a good season and a decent season is how like it was. He was one of the bright spots of last year. But man, to for Fletcher to put that much faith into him, that that's a lot. That's ballsy. That's really, really ballsy of this of this general manager and squad. I don't know if it's ballsy per se. I mean, listen, he's he led the team in goals of 20. He finished even on the season with 38 points and team and it's and on a team that was defensively flawed. Yeah. So I think the risk comes in this way is that you're paying a guy a good 
amount of salary, a good chunk of your cap to a guy who's really he he played well the the first first season and then last season he improved and he didn't go through the dreaded sophomore slump that we usually see uh, players yeah. in their second year go through. So they're banking on the fact that he's going to maintain and, and keep getting better, which you really need him to. Uh, when you have that much money tied up in the cap, $5 million a year, granted he's a younger player, so if you need to, hopefully you don't have to, but if you needed to, you could move it. It is a good a chunk of change to give a young guy $5 million in a cap world, in a flat cap world. And, but listen, if they see enough out of it to warrant that, to do the extension now rather than wait till next season, that tells me that they see a bigger role for him down the line, which could cause another player, a big player now, to be kind of expendable. Whether that's Giroux, whether that's JVR down the line, um, who knows? But, I mean, you already got rid of one of your big ones in in, um, in Jake Voracek, and you gave a lot of that money to Farabee and Sean Couturier. So... That's the key is that you're banking on the younger guys to step up and play well when they didn't last year. Farabee is going to be a big, a big part of that. It's really going to be a good test, you know, after the season to say, okay, you cashed in on his value. Hopefully it's not turned into like a, not to compare sports or compare things, but like a Carson Wentz situation where, you know, in the last year of his deal, he tied a lot of money up and he just falls apart. But I don't think Farabee is going to do that, but the type of player he is, you don't lead a team in goals by accident, even when you're, when you, even when you're a bad team. No, especially because Chuck flows very, I, I I guess for a lack of a better term, he was down on the young guys last year. Obviously, Farabee was the outlier. He, As you said, he led the team in goals. He was even at, at, at the end of it. But when when you're a general manager and you say to the to the public, like you said it out loud at the end of the, at the, end of the season, you felt like a lot of these um, young guys either plateaued or regressed uh, over the course of last season in 21, 20, or excuse me, 2020, 20, 2021. So it's like, it's risky in my opinion, because I think you could have waited and yeah, you take the risk of uh, spending more money you, that, that AAV could have gone up uh, because if he has a good season, then naturally the cost of him is going to go up because of uh, uh, just how sports works. But it, when you have a guy and this is what you're leading to, I'm sure Claude Giroux is going to be a free agent. He's we're losing that cap hit and all signs point to, unless a major move comes, as you said also, JVR might be expendable. Giroux can be expendable, yes, but he has a no-trade clause. He has no move clause. Like, it's just kind of your your hands are tied with Giroux. JVR is, is expendable, but you got to find the right piece for him. you, you got to find a, a team that's willing to take on that contract be, uh, at the end of the day. Like, it's just one of those things. So, yeah, I, I, I don't mind the Farabee contract, but at the same time, I feel like you could have waited, taken that risk if he did perform to the level you were expecting him at giving him this five and a half and hoping it's a steal. It's not the end of the world if you give him, you have to bump that up to six and six, 6.2, something like that. Like you can survive on that without hamstringing yourself for the, for the next six years or whatever it may be under, under his current contract. So I don't mind it. But I think Fletch, Fletcher could have could have waited to see what what this season would have been because there's too many question marks on, going into the season. We both say that there's high expectations and and are high on this team. I think for what they did with the moves with Ryan Ellis, Ristolainen, uh, like all of the all of these moves, and it's like, well, they got to perform. So what are they going to do here? And and that's the that's the high expectations for guys like Farabee and every, every really everybody from Carter Hart outward.
That's really what it comes down to. Well, and ultimately, too, it comes down to the team team chemistry. Like, yeah. it really comes down to is this team going to be – you look on paper, and they should be good enough to push for a, a, a deep in the playoffs. They really should be good enough. I mean, you know, you have some question marks. You have, is Cam Atkinson still going to be effective? Now, he's a shoot-first player, can play all three phases of the game. He's going to be a valuable asset here, but is he going to maintain that level that he did in Columbus? Yep. Rasmus Ristolainen is another question. Honestly, you're only having him for one year, but that comes down to is that, okay, well, is he going to be a good player? I think he'll actually be really, really good here. I just really think he will. We're reduced minutes on the second pairing um, and not seeing the top line guys as often. Um, I don't think you're asking him to do more than what they wanted to do in Buffalo with him. Uh, However, I think that that's another question mark. And another question mark I think is important. I think everybody goes straight towards is the goaltending. And it really yeah. comes down to not just Carter Hart rebounding his game, but really Martin Jones as well. And we're going to get into a, things a little bit, the top five things to look out for this season, our, our list of five things to look out for, to really pay attention to for potential storylines. And it comes down to this. The young guys really got to step it up. We're talking Travis Konecti. We're talking Joel Farabee needs to take another step forward. They're going to have problems to start out with Kevin Hayes being injured for six to eight weeks. And ultimately, too, you have to wonder, too, like it's going to be a difficult season for him considering what happened with his brother. You know, that's that's not something that's going to be easy for him, honestly, as a, on a human level. So that might take into consideration. And then honestly, as well, another player that we never really mentioned about is Oscar Lindblom. Like Oscar Lindblom was on the upside before his cancer diagnosis. And he probably needs to now that he's back at 100 uh, percent. He's his latest cancer scan. He was cancer free. And, you know, he's expected probably to take that, that step back up in his game, you know, and get back to where he was at the beginning of the 1920 season. So there's a lot of question marks going into this training camp. And, you know, there's so many storylines that are going to happen. The big thing comes down to this team chemistry. Is this team going to be able to gel together and work together? And you have to wonder if that's going to be, you know, what's going to happen. From look again, looking at it on paper, there's no question this team should make a deep playoff run. But at the end of the day, there's there's higher expectations than what people believe. When you retool a roster like you did in one offseason, that's a big question. And it's a big, big question that we're not really going to know the answer to until probably around Christmas time. It's just by the time, you know, that's when Kevin Hayes will be back. Um, you know, you'll see where Carter Hart is at in his game. You'll see how the defensive is playing. Ryan Ellis is another one, like despite the fact that, you know, he's going to be here for a while. And he, you got a question. Is he going to be able to fit and work out here? Ivan Provorov, is he going to take a step forward? Uh, JVR is you can continue what he did last season. A ton of questions remain, and it's important to watch out for. So it's going to be quite the roller coaster, I think. Yeah, and I think the chemistry really starts with the top, the guy at the top, and that's AV. I think I think AV has um, has a challenge on his hands. I think they he has the players that he believes are the best to his uh, to get the best possible hot best possible roster on the ice. And I think he collaborated with uh, with with Chuck Fletcher at that to get these guys into this team and to Hall and to his point, And he talked about that uh, in his in, in one of his press conferences this week with 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 reporters of just like it's he didn't want to talk down on the old and the guys that have left Ghost, JVR, uh, all and Elliot and all these guys. And now JVR that you're still there. What's that? JVR still there. Oh, I'm sorry. Who did I, I meant? Uh, not JVR. Um. Voracek, sorry, but it's just one of those things where you have to 
be confident in yourself to be able to coach these guys to that gelling in the in that chemistry that we're expecting by December, January at the latest. Like because if it does, if it falls flat, it's going to be on the coach this year. Yes, we can talk about how. Um, Carter Hart's pressure in a second here in a second we'll talk about Carter Hart specifically and Martin Jones like the Carter Hart is has immense pressure immense pressure on himself after a down year because I don't think it's a, a secret that the roster was built not just to bolster the blue line but to excuse the bad the performance for the most part of Carter Hart on the blue line rather than himself yes he let in bad goals but Carter Hart is kind of given a pass after 20, the 2021 season because of how bad the blue line played or how the defense plays as a whole. So there's pressure on Carter Hart, but if the chemistry doesn't gel right away under Elaine Vigneault's leadership, everything's going to fall apart, and you're going to talk about potentially another overhaul. Now, it's easy because you are you just say, okay, that's the reason we're giving – why we're not going to renew Claude Giroux. We just need a completely fresh start, slap the C on Coots, who just signed that monster deal, and go from there and see what you can get out of it. But it's one of those things where as long as AV has the guy, is there, I I, I have all the confidence in the world that he can do this. That's really really how I feel. And it's just one of those um, wait and see kind of things. Like it, it, it's going to be tough in this first couple of weeks, especially now that Hayes is out, um, because I think that's going to be the the excuses. But AV has way like if if you were to decide who has more pressure on themselves, Carter Hart at goalie to rebound after a disappointing season last year, or AV who had a team disappointment, and now you got to try and rebound this entire uh, team together. Who's more pressure in your eyes? Uh, for me. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at Elaine Vigneault. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's on. And Vigneault has already said he's done with last season. He's moving on. They're moving forward. And you have to. Carter Hart is a bit of a different story, which we can dive into a little bit, even though we're a broken record with it on this podcast. We talk about it a lot because it is the most visible position. It, it determines if you win or lose, honestly. Yeah. I think with Martin Jones, though, you have a little bit more of a, a backup yeah. plan. I think it's more of a safety net there. You have a guy who's played 60 games multiple times in his career. He had a down season last year, but it against a, an abys- with abysmal defense in um in San Jose and Justin Braun agrees with you on that like he he said like if you watched Martin Jones last season Braun was kind of like if you watched it last season wasn't all on him like he no no it was it was just a bad roster in San Jose and And also the way he plays goaltender as well he's a he's a blocking style butterfly goaltender which means is that to kind of he's very top on making sure the playing the percentages so you know when you have bad defense and you're not able to be as some people always play a little more athletic, like a like a Tuka Rask, like uh, who else? Like, a, like Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, Andre Vasilevsky. Those are all really more athletic style goaltenders where they can really like make the splits. They can really make the moves. They can do. They can, they can be a lot more athletic to not be so much in position or mild more on athleticism. And with Martin Jones, it's the style of goaltending's play. So like, yeah, you can play the percentages, but at the same time, if you know if you're just dropping down to a butterfly or trying to make a wall, guys can pin and they have open space. They're going to pinpoint it over your shoulder or find a hole anywhere. So that, that's a lot what happens there. Or if you put out a bad rebound, if your rebound control isn't that great, you pop one out, and there's no one there to clear the puck away, then that, that, that becomes a trouble for that kind of goaltender. And I don't want to get too much into tech, that technicalities, but it's the truth. Like, 
for 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 the goaltending here, I don't think it's as much of a question it is for Elaine Vigneault behind the bench because I think that with the with the changes they made this season by giving by trading away a player like Jake Voracek, it signals to your team like no one's safe. With Claude Giroux not talking about extension till the till the end of this season, that shows that things are you know, things are in play here. Like you might not have your captain back next season. And that's a big transition for any team, regardless of, you know, uh, regardless of if he's your best player or not. Um, it, it's in, it's important to know that with, with Elaine Vigneault, yes, I think the pressure is more on him because if this team does not get off to the start that it did in 1920 and, or if they, the start that they had last season, to be honest, because they did start off while they didn't look right. They did start off pretty, pretty well. I think love was 11. They were 11, three and two. To 11 start and three. Yeah. yeah. They were, they were pretty, they were pretty good to start. So um, if they don't start off that way, the Flyers brass is going to look at this and say, we can't accept another season where we don't make the playoffs like that. They're, right. they're going to make some changes and it's not going to be easy. And I think this team knows that. I think going into this, these guys know that you don't make these changes without knowing that there's high expectations. And if you don't have a good start, or if you're not where you want to be right around the holidays, then they're going to make a change. And, you know, it's happened before. They have done this. I mean, we're, let, let's take away Peter Laviolette with the three games in, in 2013, 2014. Yeah, let's, let's take a look back. We can go back in Flyers history and see they've done this in the past. You know, I the earliest one that I can remember was Wayne Cashman after Terry Murray got fired after the 97 final. It was Wayne Cashman who came in as coach and Wayne Cashman wasn't getting the job. Then. So then they brought in Roger Nielsen. And Roger Nielsen, you know, got him to the playoffs. The next season they were they got to a rough start, but they got better throughout the season. Then he had the cancer diagnosis. Craig Ramsey came in. Craig Ramsey had gotten them to the, the conference final in 2000. In the final season, they gave Ramsey the keys, and then Ramsey he fell apart in the two thousand early two thousand two thousand one season. They brought in Billy Barber, and then Billy Barber fell off the year after that. And they brought in Hitchcock, and then we saw the same thing with Hitchcock in 05-06, where he got up to a poor start. And during that disaster season, they brought in John Stevens, and then the last one that really had the example was John Stevens because with that team that was loaded in two thousand nine two thousand ten with Chris Pronger, Kimo Timonen, you had Danny Briere. Yeah, you, know, you had all these weapons up front. You had Ray Emery and goal. Uh, and then they had started the carousel after that injury. It cost John Stevens his job. And they brought in Laviolette. Laviolette got him to the final. So the Flyers have a precedence, regardless if it was Mr. Snyder still being in the play in the play or not. It they still have a precedence where if the team is not performing up the snuff by the time the holidays run around, they will make a change. And we hope we don't see that. We hope that. It, it show it would show how good of a coach Elaine Vigneault is if he's able to say, you know what, we had a bad year last year. Let's forget about it. We're going to move forward here with this new core. And if he can get them to where they need to be, then that speaks volumes of how good of a coach he is. So that's what I think the pressure is on, is that is Vigneault just a big name that was brought in here, or is he really that good of a coach to be able to say, you know what, we're going to move forward you know, we're going to, we're going to figure, we're going to figure out this whole thing out. Forget about last season. Let's move forward. Despite all the question marks, besides the whole, the, 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 despite all the, the new players on the team, we're going to, we're going to create an identity and we're going to move forward. And I, I honestly believe that the, with the way the Vigneault coaches and he coaches a strong defensive style, I think that this team is going to have a tough, going to be get back to where they want to be and have a, a, be a really pain in the ass team to play against. And I think that that's the important thing. They might lose some games here that might be frustrating here and there, but they're not going to be a team that just kind of rolls over and die like they did in a couple of games last year. They're going to come out of line. I think that Vigneault is prepping them for that. 
Yeah, and I, I think one of the biggest things he, he has to prep for is who's going to step up the Kevin Hayes minutes. Who's going to step up for that second line center? I think that's one of the biggest keys Agreed. that we're watching. Like, is it Joel Farabee? Is it Morgan Frost? Is it one of those young guys that has all of a sudden been presented with an opportunity? Um, I think the easy answer is Farabee, but just because of what he's done last year and what we, we've the the dynamic. But I'm pinning Morgan Frost. I think you need another young guy to open up the ice here and just see what you can get out of them. Now, not I'm not saying that Morgan Frost has performed to the level of Kevin Hayes, but you have to find a guy that can at least step up and be a stopgap until he gets to that point because. If it this, yes, you're talking about you need this team to start off strong, and I agree with you. But if 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 no one steps up for Kevin Hayes, then we're not starting off. We're digging. You're they're digging themselves a hole very early on in the season, and hopefully, as you said, by the holidays, he's back up to his normal self after this six to eight week recovery of this surgery, of course, surgery, and then you're talking about just all of 22 from January until April is or may whenever this the regular season ends that's when you have this time to build your team back up and for a lot of times that's too little too late so uh, my money's on morgan frost i think morgan frost is going to be the guy that really hopefully steps up and in addition to the joe farabies and the and the oscar limbaums well and here's here's the key well farabie plays the wing he doesn't really play center and if you're looking for a guy to replace the center you're looking at scott lord you just paid him a ton of money you kept him around for a long time he's one of those glue guys so your your center is going to be you're going to have kachuri obviously as your top center you're going to have Lawton picking up more minutes on the second, unless Morgan Frost is really impressive. But I don't think Morgan Frost is going to be ready to play a two center, the, the two, that second center role in the NHL. I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to be ready right off the bat. That's a lot of responsibility for a younger guy who really is going to have his first full season here. Hopefully, hopefully, let's be honest, let's hopefully. Um, but you really, I think you're going to lean on Lawton first, and then you lean on um, Morgan Frost because the defensive side of the game is much harder to learn as a younger player than the offensive side of the game. Sean Couturier is a great example of that. He's a guy who scored a lot in junior, and then they really focused him on the defensive side of the game, which is why he's always in the Selkie conversation, because the offense can come later. He's always in the Selkie conversation now because it took him a while for his offense to get going, but when they gave him the ice and they gave him the minutes and they started putting him with Giroux on the wing, that's when he really started his skill set opening up. And now he's overall, he's the best flyer player out there. Yeah, that's why he was center to be. Yeah, I mean, that's why he was given the responsibility of going up, up, up against Evgeny Malkin back in the 2012 playoffs. Because yeah, of we how, saw what he did there. Yeah, yeah, because of how just of a pest he was. And you saw like how good his defensive skill really can be. And it's carried him throughout his entire career. Yeah, that's, that's why he's worth his contract now. to you, Scott. Yeah, yeah, he's been in the league a decade now. Believe it or not, Sean Kateri is a 10-year NHL veteran. He's not even 30. That's impressive. That's really, yeah. really impressive. But I think with Morgan Frost, He's had some injury problems. He hasn't shown consistency at the NHL level yet. You can't overload the guy and throw him in the two-hole without uh, really running the risk of your the back end of the ice being a problem. Now, you beefed up defensively, but still your your defense your center is your third defenseman. So really, you got to he's got to play 200 feet. I don't think he's ready to take on that role. Scott Lawton is. You'll suffer a little bit on the offense with it, but that's where the team chemistry comes in and if you find a good line mate for him that can that can work off the rush then yeah, it could it could really work. But to be honest with you, like they're not going to win and lose games simply because Kevin Hayes is in the lineup. They might, you know, 
you know, even with Scott Lawton being there, I don't think they're going to, it's going to be too much of a drop. It'll be a drop, but it won't be too much of a drop. And I think that that's why they kept Scott Lawton on board because they realize he, how versatile he is. Now, Kevin Hayes, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. So you backdated about really a week when this happened. So you're looking at probably, I don't know, so probably early November at the latest. At the, at the absolute latest, you're looking at Thanksgiving. So probably by Halloween, you have it back. And what, you're two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, not even. So it's yep. not like he's going to miss a tremendous amount of time. He's going to miss camp. But the problem that's going to wind up happening is that during his recovery, he's going to need a couple weeks to really get back into like game shape. So you're not going to see Kevin Hayes be really 100% to probably around Christmas time. So that's why it's important for Scott Lawton to really be able to step up in that hole. And that'll give ample time for Morgan Frost to really – you know, uh, to play well. And if Morgan Frost does a good enough job, that's great. You can shift him over to the wing once Kevin Hayes comes back and then adds even more depth to your lineup. So the fact that Kevin Hayes, yes, it's a big loss, but at the same time, it's not because you just got to make sure that he can play focus on the defensive side of the game. So you might not see Morgan Frost put up a lot of points right away and people will be like, eh, you know, he's a bust, all that stuff. But understand is that they're going to have him because Kevin Hayes out is focus on that defensive side of his game. And when he shifts back to wing where there's less responsibility down the line when Kevin Hayes returns, then you'll probably see him start picking up a little more. The good thing is that you don't have Nolan Patrick being a minus 30 for you anymore, so that'll be a good thing. So <laughs> nothing will get worse than Nolan Patrick, let's be honest here. So um, It yeah, still shocks okay. me. It still shocks me that they, of all places he went to Vegas. It doesn't shock me. It doesn't shock me. I mean, look, Vegas has been a player since day one. They're always in the big, getting big, uh, big names. You know, uh, they got Alex Petrangelo last year. They got Mark Stone. They're always in the rumors for big deals. It does not surprise me that they're going to take a flyer on a guy, especially with Kelly McCrimmon being his former junior coach now uh, behind, um, you know, behind the scenes in, um, in uh, Vegas. So, if anybody's going to squeeze talent out of him, it'll be Pete DeBoer for sure. So yeah. Pete DeBoer will find a way to get him going. And, you know, people look back and say, oh, why couldn't he do that here? Well, you know what? Probably just wasn't a fit for Nolan Patrick here. The Flyers got lucky getting him and he struggled through a lot. And even last year just wasn't wasn't just a just didn't have a good fit here. He never picked up that offensive side of the game. And with a minus 30, I guess the defensive side didn't work out too much either. So um, yeah. it, it comes down to this is that, you know, Vegas is always in play. They're a big name. They're a big team. Doesn't surprise me at all that they would go after and take a flyer on a guy like him. Buy yeah. low, buy low, sell high, man. Listen, you didn't, you gave up Cody glass for him basically. So, you know, a guy who didn't work out then that he went through that kind of the same situation that Nolan Patrick did. So it kind of, it kind of works out. So, well, you know, well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the whole dynamic works out with him. I mean, Hey, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm going to root for the guy. As crazy as it sounds, I am going to root for the guy because you want to see a guy like that succeed because he has been through a lot. It just didn't work out here. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It just I, sucks I, that I he was the second round pick or the second listen, overall pick. Listen, listen. There's only one guy I won't root for. Actually, two guys now that I won't root for who are high draft picks that came from this city. One of them is Carson Wentz because you don't wind your way out of being a quarterback <laughs> in Philadelphia. And then Ben Simmons because there we go. the, the yep. atrociousness that's going on with the Sixers right now, I'm glad we don't talk about that team. <laughs> it, it is pretty amazing. Speaking of Ben Simmons and Carson Wentz, like I don't want to ham too I, I don't want to hammer too much into this, but like it's amazing that there are four athletes of all four major sport, all four major teams in the Philadelphia area: Carson Wentz, Ben Simmons. Aaron Nola has question marks on the Phillies 
And now there's question marks in Carter Hart. These young guys that had such high expectations, they started off so strong and now have taken a step back or did take a step back. And now you're trying to see what they really are. And we know what two thirds, possibly three quarters of what this team, those of those four athletes are. The only outlier is is Carter Hart. Like that's it's incredible that there's there's a scenario where the Phillies, Flyers, Eagles and Sixers have all lost their one of their top young talents before they turned what 29 like before they turned the age of 30 yeah and there's nothing you can do about it right it's incredible to me it's it's amazing and that's just overvaluing prospects and i've said from day one when we started spotted do not overvalue prospects like football is a different story especially when you're talking the quarterback position you draft a guy that high you expect him to play right away you can't expect him to be you know turn out, you know, knocking people out and, and, and just, you know, blowing up everything and being awesome. Like a guy like Patrick Mahomes is just, and he sat for a year. It doesn't work like that. Like, yeah. you know, don't overvalue prospects. Like just because he was drafted second overall, doesn't mean he's actually second overall talent. It, it, that was a bad draft year. If you would have gone any other year when the year Nolan Patrick was drafted and taking draft picks from the last five years, he'd probably be drafted later in the first round as more of a project player. And yeah. two of the players, the Flyers had like that before were Jeff Carter and Mike Richards. And, you know, um, that's the, those are the big ones that were even Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux, I believe, was around 20th overall. So, um, you know, it, it, it's you can't look at where they were drafted and, and put the expectation automatically in them because there's so many dynamics that go into it. You, you can't you can't look at you can't look at it like that. it's honestly one of the another reason just the analytics don't work. Like that's how they base yeah. these, some of this stuff on. But uh, in addition to the young, pre- before we get in, uh, we've talked about what three out of the five things to watch Martin, uh, excuse me, uh, sorry, the chemistry uh, who's going to fill Kevin Hayes, 68 weeks. Um, and the, what am I blanking on? So we uh, have the five things to watch out for the story. Oh, AV. Yeah. yeah. AV. Carter AV, Hart and Martin yep. Jones. Yep. The center position with Kevin Hayes being injured, team chemistry, Oscar Lindblom, and Elaine Vigneault. So what do, what are you expecting out of Oscar Lindblom this year? I think it's a very interesting dynamic because it is. And I'll probably get flack for it because people are like he he's a kid was a, he 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 survived cancer. Like what right. do you put? I'm that's not putting the, pressure on the kid. I'm not that's, I, it, that's the weird thing with him because it's like not to dismiss it, but when you have such a personal story out in the public you get yourself a little bit of slack on your performance on the ice. And I think Oscar even knows that and has admitted that all session, all, all indications show that he looks like he's in game shape this coming into training camp oh, yeah. this year. So he looks solid according to all the guys, all the repeat reporters, Sam Karshidi, all of those guys. But what, what do, like he's a, what a third, fourth, like a, maybe a, you hope a second round winger or excuse me, second line winger for this team. I don't think he's ever, ever going to be a top guy. Do you? No, 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 no. Just, you know, he started off the 2019, 2018, 2019 season. Really, really good. It was a top scorer for the while. Like he showed that flash. He, he was not one of those guys who just could naturally just come into the NHL and tear it up. He had to work a lot, really, really hard to get up to where he was. You know, when yeah. he started two seasons ago, he started off very, very hot, put up a lot of points. I mean, listen, in, in 2018, 2019, he, I'm sorry. Yeah. 2019, 2020 he played in 30 games, he had 18 points. Like the year before he had 33 and 81 games. So he had 18 points in 30 games and that's when they find everything out. So 
to start off with 18 points in 30 games in the NHL for a young player like that, it's pretty solid at 23 years old. That really is solid. I mean, he had at one point with 11 goals. He led the team at one point, and I think there were only like 20 games in and when he started to cool off. So it, that's that's saying something. That's saying you've got the skill set there. You really got that. Last season was an outlier. We listen, we had COVID. Like, you know, like he couldn't play. You know, he's coming back from a cancer diagnosis. You know, he had, took a lot of time to get in shape. And it's not that I'm picking on the guy. This is not like that at all. But you need him to get back to where that form is because that's going to help the team out even further. And I say it from a, a, a point, the fact of contribution from younger players. Because think about it. You need to replace Jake Voracek 65 points. You have to do it. You, you have to. You can't rely on Cam Atkinson to do that alone. He's not going to. He's not that type of player. He's not going to lead your team in points. I'd be very surprised if he did. He's a very good player, but he's more of a guy who plays versatility. You need Oscar Limbaugh to get back to the scoring that he was at, and that's why it's important for him to be able to have a good season this year because it diagnosis and everything aside, let's not talk about that. Like it's great that he's passed it, but you need him to. He needs to get back to where he started out from in the 2019-2020 season. He's put up a lot of points early in games, played some lot of minutes. He need he, he really would be beneficial for the team if he gets back there. And if he can't, I mean, look, it, it is what it is. Like you know, it, it, there's nothing you can do about it. It's a matter yeah. of. He's just, he's still part of the morning guys. That's why it's one of the things is that we can talk about connecting. We could talk about Farabee. Nobody brings up Oscar Limblom, and he was a, a valuable player and a core player of this team two seasons ago before everything happened. Yeah. That's and what I, he needs to get back to. No, you're right. And I think he's the epitome of what I really love about this season. What if you watched uh, AV's press conference a couple days ago? Their motto this year is something to prove. From yeah. himself all the way down to the seventh defenseman, whoever that's going to be at, at the end of the at the end of camp, like all of these guys in some way, shape, or form have something to prove. Correct. And I, I think Oscar Limbaugh's right at the top there because yeah, you're right. Like last season, he's he's like, okay, you're recovering. We understand. This is what we expect of you. You're meeting that. Great. Now you're expecting him to get back to that game level, correct? Just like uh, Carter Hart, because if if Carter Hart is is not there and Martin Jones is not there, there's it's just going to be a very very uh, sad situation for all three of those players, or, or right, wrong, or indifferent. But doesn't matter who it is. But right. it, it, it's one of those things where something to prove is probably one of the most perfect analogies or mottos for this team. And I, I credit to whoever created that. Like, it's just one of those things where rally around it and hope that hope that you get at, get something out of it. Because if you don't, there's gonna be a lot of changes in, in 21 off, or in 2022 off season. This I've said it before and I will continue to reiterate it. And it's not about living in the past. It's about you, you see something and it just lines up. This team reminds me so much of the 2007-2018. I mean, it just it just reminds me so much of that team that was around 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. And here and here's why. It when they came out, they they had, you know, we had we talk about the disastrous 0506 or 607 season, excuse me. 0708, uh, you know, was a big year for them. They had new goaltender Martin Biron. They had, you know, a new defense in Kimo Timon and they brought in Danny Briere, they brought in Scott Hartnell. I know they the Claude Giroux was just starting to break the ranks a little bit. He didn't play full time to 0809, but he was just starting to get touches in the NHL a little bit there. They had Jason Smith on defense, who was their captain, brought in a guy basically traded for him. And hey, you're captain now. Um, 
it, it's important. And, this, and there's something to prove is really, really good because their slogan that season was back with a vengeance. And I really, really like that. And I think it's actually true because that was the, really the first time that teams, uh, that the Flyers had really taken a step back. And people were was like, whoa, like this was not expected at all. Like after 05, 06, you expect them to be better. And they weren't. And especially after the lockout. And 07, 08 was really a proving point saying that making the same exact moves they did this offseason by retooling, by really getting better and proving themselves they could be better. And they they made a really strong run to the conference final. Like, they, you know, everybody kind of forgets that team a little bit because of what happened two seasons later. But that was one of the, the best, like, flyer teams I've seen in a long time, only because don't forget they also lost 10 games in a row during that season. They lost yeah. 10 games in a row, almost fell out of the playoffs and went on a tear after that. And, and got in. And they were just a bunch of players that were like, you know what? No, we're not going to get pushed around. We do have a lot of good play- players here. They played hard. They were very hard to play against. And that's exactly what need they need to get back to. That mentality of what flyer hockey is. The flyers are not pushovers. They will beat you up, not specifically fighting-wise, but they are going to play you hard every single night. And always have a question mark and goal, and that's just how it goes. And you know that's that's the truth with it. And at the end of the day, this team with something to prove that slogan is great. Two years ago was BNF and Flyer. Now you need to define what that means again. Create that identity. Show you do have something to prove. Show that you this year was a fluke, and it's time to get back to making those late pushes in the playoffs. No more of this one year in one year out of the playoffs, it is time for them something to prove to show that this team can be a long-term con- legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And this team has to prove that. And if it doesn't, then they're going to be wholesale changes regardless of during the season or after the season. Because I, the, the, believe me, you don't make the moves you make if you don't think your core is good enough to win now. So yeah, go out and prove it. Young guys, veterans, goaltenders, coaches, the whole organization needs to prove that this franchise is not a joke. That's what I, and that's what I like about this season. Like if I remember the 0708 was the culmination of just getting the right people in, in the team uh, in terms of veterans, giving up a lot of prospects on, on the, on the road to that recovery. Uh, and you saw the success later that season. And, and the, really the next couple of seasons thereafter culminating in the Stanley cup final run uh, in 09, in, in 09 and 10, this one feels different. We called them the new new Broad Street Bullies a couple episodes ago when they made these moves with Ristolainen and Ellis and, and the like. But you're not giving up major young core pieces. You still, no. you can say to yourself, as Fletcher did, they plateaued or they regressed, but I'm not concerned to the level that I'm going to abandon their development and see what they can right. do. I still have the trust in them and the trust in AV to do what you can, because I think we were all wrong. And I, you might've just been right this entire time. Uh, you remind us after I said like the, the trust that AV has in his young players on the flyers compared to years past is way, anything way beyond what we expected. Because the expectation or the 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 stink on on AV was oh he doesn't give a young guys a chance he gives them a little bit and then all of a sudden they're shipped off for those veterans and you saw not the exact opposite but you what you're seeing is they're they're still holding on to the right veterans while holding on to the right young guys and saying 
We can build off this. We just need a couple of retoolings with the guys like Ristolainen and Ellis, and this is what we can do out of it. So I I, I just feel different about this season compared to 07-08 because you're, st- you're not selling tomorrow for today. You're still going to be able to contend and make sure. moves to improve this team if this particular season doesn't work out the way you're, you're hoping it is. Yeah. So th- they're set up in a way that's very unique and not detrimental to the future of this team and this roster where we're talking about a Philly situation, say, where they haven't been in the playoffs in 10 years and fighting for one of the worst division titles and pennants in in MLB history, but they're there. So thankfully, I I think the Flyers are the exact opposite of that for the next couple of years, where if this season doesn't work out, it doesn't hinder them for the next 10. Well, they honestly, they have 12 players in the contract still for next season. So they're really banking on this season being an upward swing and then they swing for the fences and miss this year in a sense where if they do get in the playoffs, which they should, and if they go on a deep run, which they should, but don't necessarily get to a final this year would be the statement that yes, this team is a contender next season would be like, Hey, look, last season was a building block. This this is where you're going for. And they build the pieces in place. I mean, that's going to, the Claude Giroux storyline is going to be a major thing all season in regards with that. Yep. It comes down, to- especially if he has a good season. If he Correct. has a solid season, it's going to be very, very. It's going to be very hard. It's going to really be hard to turn the other cheek and look at him. But yet again, yep. there's a lot of, we've talked about in the past. A lot of things come into place. Thirty three will be thirty four this season. You're really going to be prepared to pay thirty five year old a lot of money for a player what he is or what he should be. Look at, at all at all sense of the word, he's still an elite player. Uh, but you know there'll be a time where everything at some point you need to move on. You cannot get emotionally attached to players. You need to move on. But they're set up in a good spot so far. So if things do happen this season where they don't really go that way, you know there's not a whole lot of mobility next season. So, um, Alec, not to sound like a broken record, this this team something to prove is probably the best slogan that you could give them simply yeah. because. Now is the time to prove it. And no, no pun intended. It really is now or never. It really is now or never because you, a lot of guys need to show that last season was a fluke. And not to talk in circles about it, but when you have a team as well constructed as they are, how well set up they are next season, and even really the season after that where you have your core in place, you expect this team to really – Put the pedal to the metal and, and go. Be damned if there's an injury or whatever. Next man up mentality. Yep. If for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I, I don't know why. Maybe just because I'm a, a, you know, generally a positive person you know, overall and generally because it's important because you know everybody looks at the negative right away. I always look at the positive in a situation. I really get vibes of this team is that this team is really going to surprise a lot of people. I just look at it on paper and just, they, they just, you can't look at this team and say, man, they're going to suck. Like it's not going to be like a major league situation. Like in that movie, like you just have to look at the team and say, man, they, this team, there's no excuse. There's not just no excuse, but there's no reason that they should not take a massive step forward. And I really think they will. It really just, it comes down to, when it all ties together, I don't want people to get the expectation that this team's going to come out the gate 10 and 0 and just run over teams left and right. They're going to be hard to play against. It's going to t- t- probably take some time for them to get some chemistry, to find some scoring touch. You'll see some line juggling. You see some probably some weird things going on with the goaltenders. Carter Hart's going to have to rebound. Martin Jones has probably got to play a good amount of games, especially with the Olympics, the back to backs. Like a lot of this is lining up to where. This team is going to be in a lot of close games with other teams. 
You're gonna have fans in the building. You're getting back to normal. Uh, it, look, it's just there's there's no there's no no reason that this team should should be bad. I'd be I'd be shocked if they were. I don't yep. think they will be. But yeah. I think this team is going to be better than people think. And you know, I just really look at this roster and say they're just constructed well. They just have a good overall roster construction. And I think it's going to be important, especially the way that they've repaired the defense. Like Brian Ellis and Rasmus, Rasmus Ristolainen, that's going to be huge for this team. And I, it, it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Hardcore fans like you and I and, and the ones that uh, are, are latching on to training camp right now, like and other Flyers podcast hosts, like this is going to be, we're going to know what this team is by Christmas, like you said. 100%. I think the, the majority, I've said that, I think people are going to really start to latch on casual fans. Flyers fans are really going to latch onto this team mid January, late February at the latest. And that's when you're really going to like this city is going to latch on the flyers fever, as they say by around then, I think there's going to be a buzz around this team uh, for the, for, for from January on. Cause I like you, like we've said, once we get past the holidays, you know what we're looking at and, the, the obvi- like it's no secret we know that the flyers take a lot longer to grasp onto and hold on to the city uh, unlike the eagles or the phillies or, uh, even the sixers at times like it's tough to latch on to hockey it, we get that but by january middle of january late early february excuse me like it's going to be one of those scenarios where people are going to look in their uh, look on espn.com nhl.com whatever it is and just go Holy crap! The Flyers are 15 games under 500, and they're contending for the Metropolitan. And you're just like, "What's going on here?" And all of a sudden, you're watching the games and you're seeing what the what the product is. Like, I really like. I really think that's kind of like the Phils right now. Kind of yeah, like the Phils. exactly. They're keeping you in it. They're keeping yeah. you in it, and that's exactly what you want. You want you want them to pull your heartstrings like that. You really do. That's the drama. That's the that's the part of sports and entertainment. Yep. That's the part of it. It's so what the, what. So before we wrap here, like I, I think we've both have made similar predictions on what we expect from this year. But like, do you have you changed it? I think we both said Eastern Conference Finals are bust. But what is? Do you expect a Metropolitan Division? What's your prediction for this season before we wrap here? I don't want to pick the division. I really don't. I, I can't say it's it, tough too. It, it is. It's going to be a tough division. Like, look, like the Rangers, they didn't really get better, but they got tougher. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like per se, like they still have Artemi Panarin. They still have Capo Caco. They still have Alexei Lafreniere, which, you know, I'm not huge on him, but he's going to take a step forward if he stops skating in mud. Um, you know, <laughs> they have good goaltending in Alexander Gorgiev and, um, and uh, Ilya Shesterkin. Um, they, they have, they have an opportunity to do some damage. They have, um, oh, who's their guy? Oh, the guy they got from, um, the Jets. What the hell is his name? Oh, the defenseman. Why did it just fly to fly out of my head? For some anyway, reason, my mind went immediately to Andrew Ladd, and I was like, "That's definitely Andrew not Ladd." Right. You're thinking I know. Well, no, I mean, I like the Rangers are going to be tough but in a sense where they added they added toughness on the bottom yep. six, and they they needed more grit down there. And Tampa showed last year you still need grit in this game to be able to win it. Um, also, I think they added Ryan Reeves and Bar- Barkley Goudreau. Um, they have. Um, also, the Islanders. The Islanders. I mean, they're just Islanders ain't going nowhere. The Islanders no. are a really, yeah. really solid. Well, they're built by Lou Lamorella. Like regardless of what everybody thinks of Lou Lamorella, because of all those Devils teams and stuff, anywhere he goes, he's showing improvement success. And one of yep. the best thing is the rules as he has is no facial hair. I find that fantastic. Not <laughs> a grown ass man can't have facial hair, but hey, it's part of the job. Um, listen, 
I, the I, it's going to be a tough division in that aspect. Columbus, I don't think is going to be better per se, but Columbus is still going to be tough. Yeah, uh, Carolina, you know they're they're not really in the in the same division, but they're going to be tough games against them. I think when you come playoff time, you're really looking at a couple teams. Carolina, you're looking at Tampa, you're looking at um, you know Pittsburgh's always a threat, regardless if you know Crosby and Malkin are another year older. They're still elite players. They're going to be they're going to be problematic if their goaltending and Tristan Jari holds up and the defense is you know it's, it can stay decent. Um, it's going to be a threat. It's always. There's never a gimme in any division unless you're built like a team like Tampa. And even then, they don't have a gimme because they didn't even win their division last season. So um, it comes down to this is that I'm I'm not too concerned about where they place in the division because either way, the road is going to go through Carolina, the Islanders, and Tampa. And you're going to have to beat one of them in the playoffs to do that. And that's why it's key right now because I think Montreal is going to take a major step back. Um, I don't think Ottawa is going to get any better. Toronto is going to be Toronto and do what they do and put up all their points <laughs> and then get into the freaking playoffs and then lose and blip blown out because they have no defensive strategy whatsoever. And I don't even want to talk about Toronto anymore. Um, so there are teams that are in play there, uh, but you, you've really, you're too, you know, if you win the division, great, but when a division does nothing, it, it really does nothing at all. If you get in the division, win the division, you can get swept in the first round. We've seen that with Tampa a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, so for me, it took me all of that to say, I don't really know where they're really going to place. It really depends on how these other teams come out of the gate. It, it, you know, we, we, let's be real. Like everybody had a strange season last year because of COVID. We're getting back to normal. We have to see how teams are going to adjust going back to normal. And let's be honest. We have to see how teams are going to adjust to that. How many teams are still going to have COVID problems? I mean, you know, the NHL basically saying all the players have to get vaccinated and stuff, but um, you know, or they should all be vaccinated. The Flyers are going to be 100 vaccinated. I was going to say that yeah, that the, the yeah. Flyers will be 100. I think if they're not already, they I think Fletcher said they will be by game one or maybe even the middle of the preseason. Yeah. But either way, you're right; they'll be 100 vaccinated, yeah. which is great. But even though there's breakthrough cases, like it's still yeah. something we have to consider. Like if players came in, injuries are play a big part. Um, it really comes out. I, I I don't know where I would see this team falling, but yet again, I'm not too concerned about where they place in the regular season. For this team to be successful, it's about not just getting in the playoffs and making that deep run in the playoffs. They need to do that. It's time. Like it's yeah. time. I, it, it doesn't matter if you play in the division anymore. It doesn't matter. Like you got to get in and you got to really push. You, you got to get in there. Like you got to be one of the best eight teams in your division. That's all you have to worry about. That's all you have to worry about. Yeah, I think I definitely I, I think they're just a wild card team if they can finish two or three that's that's great in their in the metro but like like you said third place is out of the question i don't know i don't think it is i don't think they're worse than the rangers i don't think they're i don't think the rangers would beat them but you really got to come down i don't know i think the rangers are just as as sneakily they're in the same boat they're in the same boat as the flyers i think the islanders are the class of the division if you ask me i think the islanders Islanders have their ups and ebbs and flows so like the islanders can look like they can beat anybody and then they go play a team like tampa and they can't even compete half the time yeah so like uh i i like I said, I, I'm not I'm not too concerned about wild card and that you got to get in and you, you need some luck at the same time. You need someone else to really pull an upset over one really, of the bigger teams. To get and the, you got to get hot road. at the right time. You got to yeah. get it, it, that. That's one of the reasons that they had the 2010 run. Honestly, that's why they had the the, yeah. the bubble, the bubble run. Like, yeah, they got hot at the right time. They secured the one seed and they and they had they, easy first rounds. Yeah, they, they dominated. They, 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 so you need an easy first round. Like, I don't want to say easy. But you, you need it. You need, you need a, a beatable team. In five. You yeah, need, you need you need to be hot and you need to go up against a team that's not that's obviously not also hot at the same time, but is is not 
is just playing mediocre hockey at the time. Like, right. th- cause that happens. You always right. get those matchups. And then when you get to the Tampas, the Islanders, then you're, you're, you're kind of, tr- you, you have the wheels mer- moving on your team and just seeing what you got out of it. So yeah, I, I, I this I, team needs what they did in 1997. And I, honestly, yeah. like 1997 was a great example of just coasting through essentially like, yeah. You got the penguin. You got a you got a really flawed penguins team in the first round. You beat him in five. And then you go get against a really like a flawed um Buffalo team because Dominic Hoshik wasn't there and they were lucky enough to win in game in game seven in overtime in 97 in the first round against Ottawa and barely got through that and you beat them in five. But then you really went against the class of the East at the time against the Rangers in 97, and you still beat them in five. I mean, yeah. you got swept in the final by Detroit. Who really was the like as they're they're Detroit is the nineties Detroit teams are what Tampa is now. There's no question yeah. in mind. They're 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 a dynasty team in the making. Um, but you, you really to give that example, you really need what you needed there is you needed a good, you needed not an easy first series, but you needed first series where you can assert dominance. Now, the problem is is that the teams are so closely competitive in the playoffs and the way they play the playoffs that anybody can beat up and beat anybody. I mean, we've seen in the past where, you know, Columbus swept Tampa the year they should have won the cup. That should have been an easy first round for them. It was god awful. You know, the Flyers years ago when they played Ottawa in those first and second rounds, they should have beat Ottawa. But Ottawa was the class at that time. It, you know, you really need to get a team. If, if you're lucky enough where a team like Buffalo is able to sneak into the playoffs by some miracle of the, you know, the divine or whatever, and you get them in the first round, then that's what you're talking about. But, you know, any, any team, like you play the Rangers in the first round, that's going to go seven. You know, you play the Islanders, yep. that's going to go seven. You play like a team like your Penguins, that may go six. Like, you know, it, it, even Montreal two years ago went six. So, again, it, it comes out of this. Get in. You need luck, but you really also need like a, a round where you can boost some confidence as well. And, and you know, we're so far away from that. We don't even know what this team is yet. But at the end of the day, I, this team, their best bet would be to be in the top three. I mean, we forgot Washington. We've got Washington. Yeah. It's a Peter Laviolette coach team. That's another one. They're not going to go away anything easily. So here, you know. here, here's how I'm going to wrap tonight's episode, this, this episode for you. This is what I'm going to leave you on. You ready for this, Scott? Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. I, here we go. Here we go. This is the final grace period for everyone loving Gritty. If the team sucks, the, the wear on Gritty is going to is, is off. The shine on Gritty is off. I don't understand how that even applies. Because I, I, I am I love Gritty, but I think Gritty was brought into the system at a time when the team was trying to struggle to find an identity. They had just lost Mr. Snyder, Ed Snyder, and it's just like you had to find something the team sucked at the time and everyone rallied around him because it was fun. It was cool. It was, it, it was weird. It was, it was original somewhat, but I mean, it's just a knockoff fanatic at the end of the day, but still, and he has these moments that do get annoying. And if, if he continues to do this same thing and I don't expect him to change, it's gritty. If the team sucks and gritty continues to do his, his shtick, He's gonna lose the shine on his on on the on the, on on the fans, and the fans are gonna be like, "Oh wait, this is a mirage for how crappy the ice product is." That's my point. That's okay. what that's what they're losing 
uh, it, it, that's what they will lose if this team sucks this year. Here, the shine on Gritty will be gone. I, I here's where I'm at with with Gritty. Here, and you're 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 right on point. I hated Gritty at first. I absolutely couldn't stand him. I my thought was this is what happens when you don't have an on ice identity. That's exactly what I said yeah. day one. Yeah. But Gritty grew on me, and because he's a Philly thing, it's a, it's a Philly thing. If you're not yeah. from here, you're not going to get it. Like yep. straight up, like Gritty just does a lot of things that you know, like you know, for instance, like. You could go out of Texas and say, uh, you know, like, for instance, you're saying you're wearing a really, really weird shirt. You know, I could be, I could say to you, like, dude, like, what are you doing with that shirt? It's terrible. Like, you know what I mean? Bust your balls about it. You can't go like to Texas and do that. People actually get upset about that. Like, you make fun of my shirt. Like, how dare you? You're so rude. <laughs> Phil, you can, you can get away with that. That's just how, that's how, that's how our culture is. And yeah, with, with, with Gritty, though, here's where I'm at with it, though. I, I see your point with it. I really don't care about Gritty, right? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't care. Like, I think it's a cool. I think Gritty's awesome. I think he fits the culture of Philadelphia, and I think they utilize him the right way. The problem is, it's like when you and you and I see your point because I agree with you. Gritty is something. Oh, look over here! Look at this shiny new thing! Don't pay attention over here. Gritty yep. was a distraction because the team you never knew you were going to get with them. I don't think Gritty would be to blame for anything like this. But the problem is, is that this team needs an on-ice identity. They don't need an identity like the Phillies do when they're bad. Like, oh, the Fanatic, the Fanatic, the Fanatic. The Fanatic is great. Everybody loves the Fanatic. It took a long time for people to grow on him, too. But the Flyers identity has never been with a mascot. I don't think it ever will be. I mean, that was 40, that was 50 years ago almost, 40, 50 years ago that the, the Fanatic came around. Gritty is a, you're right, he's like a placeholder for what the on-ice product should be. And this team, this city... Look, they're not stupid. Nobody in the city is stupid. They know hockey. They they yeah. know what to look for. They know when a team is playing well, and they know when a team is playing bad. And if there isn't that toughness, that blue like blue collar, bring your lunch pail and go to work hard every day, regardless when lose. That's what this fire team needs to get back to. And Gritty doesn't represent that enough. Gritty alone cannot represent that. So I'm in agreement with you. But I think it's important for this team to for this city to understand that the Flyers on ice product is back to its black and blue roots. It's lunch pail mentality, blue collar. People go to work each day. They bust their ass. They want to come home. They want to watch a team do exactly the same thing. We didn't see that for a long time. This roster is tooled to do that. And if it doesn't, then you're absolutely, I agree with you. You're going to see a revolt. People saying like, you know what? I don't care about Grady. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. I want to see this team succeed. I don't yep. care what Grady brings. Yep. I care what the on ice product is. I want to see that workman mentality. It needs to happen this year. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be screaming at the top of my lungs a bunch of insanities because, you know, that's what I do yeah. <laughs> sometimes when it comes to this team. Yep. It That's where they need to get. They need to get back to the roots. They need to get back to that. The ultimate thing with this, with Gritty, regardless, you're right. Gritty is is that, that it could it totally see that happen. Gritty ain't going away at this point, but it is important for this team to really establish itself on the ice and not its identity through its mascot. It, it's yeah. just, it's not, it's, it's, that's, that's not the city. It never will be. And it can't be not with this team, not what it's, not what its core culture is. Its core culture is to work hard, to beat you on the ice, to work hard, win or lose. And that's exactly what needs to happen. Yep. Well, that's going to do it for episode 86. The, the end Joel of our Farabee episode, the Joel Farabee episode, the, the, end of, the, the, end of our, <laughs> the end of our summer hiatus episode. Training camp is underway. Uh, follow all the beat reporters, all that good stuff for exactly day to day coverage. Uh, we'll be here 
carrying you through the rest of the season. Rest of the like, we're this is it. We're back, baby. We're back, I, and I'm we have so, a major announcement next episode as well. Yes, huge. We, we're we do have a big announcement. Making an addition to the team to this team at Orange and Backjack. It's going to be great. I can't wait to welcome and tell you guys all about it. Uh, I know Scott's really pumped to to, to tell everyone. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Third season of Orange and Backjack. Third season of Elaine Vigneault. Third season of Carter Hart. I mean, this is, uh, this is a lot of third. Charm. Third, third time's a charm. charm. Third time is a charm. Yeah. So let's see how this goes. Thank you so much for listening. Give us a follow. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff. Orange and Backjack. You can find us there. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you just subscribe and give us five stars. And we'll talk to you next time. Kenny Albert, still not on ESPN. Oh, he shoot this. Oh, he missed it. <laughs>